Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. It is Friday. August the 26th, 2022, and you have survived the week. Congratulations. Good news for you is the uh, email, the CDT Insider email comes out this afternoon, so you got something to look forward to. A little bit of entertainment for your weekend. Can anybody say Humphrey Bogart? I'm just curious. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Make sure you're on that list. You can sign up on our website, by the way, at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, here's a question. Why was Salman Rushdie attacked? I guess it was a week ago or so. Uh, stabbed in New York while giving a talk. He has a book uh, that came out many years ago. I think back in 88, I think it was. The Satanic Verses. A fatwa was put out against him. And uh, somebody has stepped up to the plate to see that fatwa come to reality. Uh, and Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch is going to be on at 35 after to, after to talk about that. What is going on in that story? Also, big news yesterday. It's just tearing up the interwebs. Uh, we're talking about uh, Shia LaBeouf, an actor, uh, a troubled actor at that, becoming Catholic because of his role playing and portraying St. Padre Pio. Well, we're going to have a conversation about that coming up at 15 past. I'll play some of the clips and the trailer for you as well, at least a part of it. So stick around. And then, of course, Dave Palmer is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. He is with Back to the Father, a show that teaches Thomistic theology and philosophy. And today we're going to ask the question, can we merit anything from God? Hmm. You know, we often get accused of, you know, earning our way to salvation. Well, we'll we'll talk about that with Dave Palmer at the top of the next hour for those that can join us. Hey, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg admitted to Joe Rogan that uh, the FBI says, hey, don't do this, and they don't do it. They just do whatever they're told, apparently. Like, for instance, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story during an election year. They're like, yeah, no, we're not going to. The FBI said not to, so we're not going to. Mm-hmm. The Department of Homeland Security has officially terminated plans for the disinformation board. Wow, there is hope in the world. Praise be to Jesus, that's a good thing. Consumers Research accuses Uber of woke abortion activism as cover for the transportation company's horrifying track record of sexual assaults. Remember that the next time you choose your Lyft sharing app on your phone. Hey, for the second time in two days, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene has been swatted at her house. And there are some of your highlights for today. Good morning, Hugh Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. You've never been swatted before? Praise be to God, let it never happen. Uh, it's it's just, it's innocent, you know? You just get your dog people killed. show up, and... busting down your door, throwing flashbangs into the room. Yeah, no big deal. It's, yeah, coming yeah. in with, with, you know, M4s. That's, that sounds all, like a normal party to me. All kitted out. Yeah. <laughs> Laser sights. Joke's yeah. on them when you show up or mm-hmm. when they show up and mm-hmm. you're in your full kit. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just kidding. I just happen to be sitting here. If I were Marjorie Taylor Greene, I may be tempted to just leave my front door open 
and the lights on yeah, and just say, idea. hey, come on, the sign that says, come on, a little play, a plate of cookies and, you know, all right, by the door. So a help glass yourself. of milk. And, yeah, just uh, help yourself. Have fun with it. <laughs> Speaking of cookies, Adrian Fonseca's here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. It's a wonderful day to say uh, he will not divide us. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. Almost nobody's going to get that reference. It's no. okay. It's okay. But, uh, yeah, Shia LaBeouf, very interesting character. He had a very detailed past, let's just say. Oh, very so, troubled past. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. Yeah, it is a very fascinating t- conversation to have. I, I watched the full interview, watched parts of it many times, actually, uh, to, to really take in what Chaya was talking about with Bishop Robert Barron yesterday. So, again, we're going to play some clips for you. We're going to play a little bit of the trailer for you and have a conversation. Now, I know uh, I know Adrian has a personal connection to St. Padre Pio. I do as well. He was my confirmation saint, and I can attribute a big reason for being Catholic today thanks to St. Padre Pio. So I do have some reservations about all this, and I'll share those with you at 15 past. Let's jump in. We have a lot to cover today. Do share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, August 26th, and here are your headlines this morning. Reuters reports Putin signs decree to increase size of Russian armed forces. Putin signed a decree on Thursday to increase the size of Russia's armed forces from 1.9 million to 2.04 million as the war in Ukraine enters its seventh month. The increase includes an increase of combat personnel from 1.15 million units to... Uh, an increase of combat personnel to 1.15 million units going into effect on January 1st, according to a decree published on the government's legislative uh, portal. Putin's decree did not say how the increase in headcount was to be achieved, but instructed the government to assign corresponding budgets. Breitbart reports FBI set sights on James O'Keefe's Project Veritas with Ashley Biden diary conviction. The FBI intends to use the guilty plea of two defendants over the theft of Ashley Biden's diary to pursue journalist James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, which reportedly gave the diary to law enforcement in 2020. First Amendment jurisprudence has established that news organizations cannot be prosecuted just because they publish materials that may have been obtained illegally as long as they were not involved in the unlawful process of attaining them. The key point of contention in the investigation may turn out to be whether Project Veritas was involved in instigating the theft of the diary or if it simply obtained the diary independently of the process through which it was unlawfully obtained. And the Epic Times reports Biden's new ghost gun restrictions take effect. President Biden's uh, legal challenge targeting so-called ghost guns went into effect this week, focusing on curbing the proliferation of privately assembled firearms. In addition to commercial manufacturers, in addition, commercial manufacturers rather will be federally required to assign serial numbers to main components such as the kit's lower frame or receiver used in the manufacture of ghost guns. They also have to retain records of the length of time they are licensed. The current rule allows sellers to purge records after 20 years, so they may keep a record of you for up to 20 years. LifeSite News reports, South Dakota Bishop bans publicly transgender people from Holy Communion. 
In defense of the Catholic Church's authentic teaching on human sexuality, Bishop Donald DeGrood of the Diocese of Sioux Falls published new guidelines banning people publicly living as the opposite sex from baptism, holy communion, membership in the parish councils, and being godparents. Both parishes and schools are forbidden from sponsoring, chartering, or providing meeting space for or any organization that violates the definition of marriage, sex, or gender, as indicated in the diocesan policy. DeGrood makes it clear, however, that the prohibitions in the policy do not apply to those who are merely struggling with the issues related to sexuality and identity, but to those who are actively living their lives publicly as such. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Joseph Galsens. Born September 11th, 1556, he was from Aragon, Spain. He was well-educated in philosophy, law, and theology. His father wanted him to marry and continue the family, but on a on recovery from an illness which brought him close to death, he decided to become a priest. For 10 years after he was ordained, he held various posts as a secretary, administrator, and theologian in the diocese in Spain. In 1592, Joseph went to Rome where he became a theologian in the service of Cardinal Marcantonioni and a tutor to his nephew. He worked alongside St. Camillus during the plague that hit Rome at the time and helped carry the bodies of the dead on his own shoulders to burial. Joseph worked with the Confraternity of Christian Doctrine and soon he opened a school for homeless children himself. Within 10 years, he had rented a house at Santa Andrea de la Valle and started a community for teaching poor children which later was called the Pieris. Pope Clement VIII and Paul V both gave him financial help, and soon he had a thousand children in his charge. In 1612, the school moved to San Pantelio near Piazza Navano, and this became the mother house of what came to be called the Pious Schools. In September 1616, the first public and free school in Frascati was started up on his initiative. A year later, Pope Paul V approved the Congregation of the Pious Schools, the first religious institute dedicated to teaching. During the following years, Joseph was able to set up pious schools in various parts of Europe. He was a great man of great moral courage, and he accepted Jewish children into his schools and made sure that they were treated equally. Although Latin was the accepted language of the time, he defended and had textbooks in vernacular languages. He advanced the study of mathematics and sciences, and he was a friend of the scientist Galileo Galilei and he sent some of his Pierres to study with him. He shared and defended the heliocentric views of the cosmos. Joseph died in 1648 at the age of 90 and was buried in the church of San Pantaleo eight years after his death. Pope Alexander VII cleared his name and that of Pius' schools so that Pierre's congregations could continue to spread throughout Europe. It had a considerable success in education of physically and mentally disabled persons. St. Joseph Calasens, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. 
then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went, went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen. I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, from Cornelius Lapide, he commenting on verse 12, Amen, amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Uh, Cornelius Lapide has a lot to say that on this one verse. He says, but he answered, I do not acknowledge you as mine, because he in your day would not acknowledge me as your Lord and your God, neither will I. In this my day, acknowledge you as my faithful sons and servants. Ye have served the devil in pleasure, now serve him in hell. Hear St. Chrysostom, when he shall say, I know you not, nothing is left but hell and intolerable torment. Yet verily, that word is more dreadful than hell. For whom God knows not, heaven knows not. The angels and the blessed know not, but the devil knows him. Death knows him. Hell knows him. Consider that Christ in a day of judgment will show so terrible a countenance to the reprobate that they will say to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the day, the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Cornelius Lapide goes on further on this same passage, but he wants us to consider three things. He says, Wisely consider three things that thou mayest not sin. First, from whence thou comest. Second, whither thou goest. And third, to whom thou shalt rent an account of thy life. From which thou comest thou, he says, think about that we are ash and that we are worms and that we have, we are nothing in comparison to the glory of God. Where are we going? Who do we have to render to? Think about the fact that God is the King of Kings, that our Lord is holy and blessed and that we have to answer to him one day and think about what thou, where thou goest. Think about where, what is our goal? At the end of our lives, we are either going to end up in heaven or hell. So let's think about these three things today. Where do you come from? Who are you going to answer to, and where are you going? All right, praise be to God. Hey, when you think of Shia LaBeouf, do you think of Fury? Do you think of uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon? I mean, what do you think about? Transformers, possibly? Well, St. Padre Pio has had a profound impact on his life. We're going to share that conversation with you coming up right after this very quick break. Don't go anywhere, Catholic Drive, and we'll be right back. Protestants often think that the difference in the Greek words for Peter's name, Petros, and the rock, Petra, in Matthew 16:18, is evidence against Peter being the first pope. But does this objection deal the death blow that Protestants think it does? Nope, and here's why. First, even in the Greek of the New Testament called Koine Greek, scholars recognize that there's no difference in meaning. In the IVP Bible background commentary, Craig Keener affirms that these two terms were cognate terms that were used interchangeably by this period. This view is supported by the fact that John tells us in John 1.42 
that the Aramaic equivalent of Petros is Cephas, which means rock. So why the difference? Gender. Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. It makes perfect sense that a feminine noun would not be used for a masculine name. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch is going to be our guest. We're going to talk about Salman Rushdie. Have you ever heard of his book, Satanic Verses? Well, that book has gotten him into a lot of trouble. And uh, we're going to talk about that. In fact, he was attacked. He was stabbed multiple times last week in New York. And we're going to catch up on why the story is important with Robert Spencer. So stick around for that if you could. But there are some great stories in the news. And today I want to say this is a, this is a story of great hope. Uh, I don't know if you caught it. It went pretty viral yesterday that Shia LaBeouf, the actor, uh, has converted to Catholicism. And he sat down with Bishop Robert Barron on Word on Fire. And for about an hour and 15 minutes or so, they had a conversation around the whole experience. And if you know anything about Shia LaBeouf, you know the guy is a pretty complicated character. I mean, a person. Like, he has a very rough and jaded background. And he's, uh, he's, he's really been through some difficult days. I mean, he's being accused of, of abuse uh, with a former couple of former girlfriends. He's said off-the-wall and crazy things. He's acted erratically. I mean, like personal behavior. And then, of course, during the course of this interview, he actually shares some very personal moments to include even uh, contemplating suicide. So it's a pretty powerful thing. But I remember when uh, the news broke that Shia LaBeouf was hanging out with Franciscans and and preparing to play, portray St. Padre Pio. And I, I remember, I think I even said it on the show, I have mixed feelings about this. St. Padre Pio is my patron saint, uh, my confirmation saint. I, uh, boy, I used, I used to read his personal correspondence with his spiritual directors when he was at the age that Shia is actually depicting in this film very early on. We're talking the, you know, the 19, early, late 1920s, early 1930s. And, and I'm just not sure. Like, I was like, hmm, I want this to be good. I do, but I'm not sure. I'm just not sure about this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a little bit of the trailer that was just released yesterday. So good timing there, huh? And then uh, I want to play with you, play for you some of the clips. I have about three clips I've picked out from the Bishop Robert Barron Shia LaBeouf conversation that I want to uh, to bring to your attention. So let's start with the trailer. Adrian, could you play that trailer for me? I know you shed tears. I know you continue to shed tears every day because of man's ingratitude. You choose souls. Despite my unworthiness, you've chosen me. The primary source of all human oppression and exploitation is individual property. What is he talking about? He's talking about how we can get control of our lives. I know you'll give me what I need. I know you will not refuse me. 
Uh, so that's just a little clip of the official trailer, which we can link to in the uh, chats, by the way, this morning, so you can see the whole thing yourself. Now, right out of the gate, you noticed he doesn't have an accent. He's portraying St. Padre Pio without, without an accent. I want to get, come back to that in a moment. Now, the director of this film is Abel Ferreira. I don't actually know, like, I'm not sure what the release date is just yet. I know they have a version that they've already showed the Franciscans that or a part of his uh, preparation for this film. Um, but let me, let, let me do this. There is a, a clip that I think really hammers very quickly the pressure involved. I mean, during the interview, and if you've seen this interview with Bishop Barron and you're hanging out with the live video feeds with us today, the Telegram group or wherever you are, leave a comment. What were your thoughts? What was your impressions? I'd love to know. We could talk more about that in the after show as well. But Shai gets into how desperate he was feeling at the time, how he was a part of a sort of a, a group of guys in Hollywood, all meeting on Zoom, all in different stages in life. No one really standing out as a Catholic or Christian, just, but they had this spiritual desire. And so Shai strikes me as the kind of guy, is a, a relative I have that I think, he and Shy are practically twins. Uh, Shy is the kind of guy who would probably hang out with you till like four in the morning on your front porch and just debating philosophy. <laughs> I mean, but like weird, like all over the place kind of philosophy, you know, just you know, drinking beer, probably good, talking all night long, talk your ear off. And it would just go in strange, strange, but it's kind of like watching a Joe Rogan experience podcast. It'd be a lot like that. I, that's how Shia strikes me. And he talks about the depths of privation, the jadedness, the brokenness that he was uh, at, and he was he was lamenting how he was how he has lost his career, how he has basically destroyed his work in Hollywood, and how he was wondering how he could get it all back. When because of this group that he was in, this Zoom chat group he was meeting with, Abel Ferrer was in that group, and Abel said, "Have you ever heard of Padre Pio?" And he said, no, I don't know who this person is. Now, what's interesting about that part of the conversation was Abel Ferreira is not even Catholic. He's a Buddhist, and he has a personal affinity to Padre Pio. But uh, I want to play this clip for you. This is late. This is almost towards the end of the conversation with, with uh, Bishop Robert Barron. But I think it is very telling um, about preparing to play one of the most iconic saints in history, in modern history for sure, but arguably, top five greatest saints in all time, potentially. Uh, Adrian, would you play that? Uh, uh, how do you, how do you, you, you have to have faith because it feels so, and that's the other thing is like, it could get so corny. Mm -hmm. It could just get so garbage. And you're desperate to get it right. You're desperate to like protect this man's legacy. And I remember when I was, you know, I, I had also been going to other Latin mass in Van Nuys, like uh, I'm quite close with Mel Gibson. And when I, I didn't know how to get to Latin mass, I didn't know how to find it. You can't like go type it up online and find it. And he had, he had uh, introduced me to certain Latin mass, which, um, uh, cause he's very into that mm -hmm. traditionalist thing. Um, and, uh, he, he, uh, you, you walk into like, uh, um, that realm and you have people coming up to you once they know that you're playing Pio and you start, they start like coming up to you and, and tugging at your, at your shirt sleeve and saying, don't get it wrong. Yeah. 
he's the only one we have. You know, you start hearing things like that. You, you go, you ship out with so much pressure yeah. that then you're in front of the mass and you've just gone through six, seven months of the shirt tugging, the introduction to the order, the introduction to who Pio was, and you're standing in front of the mass that he used to serve mass at, and you're trembling with fear. Mm. And there's no way you can actually find the agency that he had in like. Yeah, I think that's, that's very telling, isn't it? I mean, just imagine trying to portray St. Padre Pio to Catholics who are like, listen, listen, my friend, very carefully, Shia. I want to help you out here, okay? You get this wrong, I'm going to hunt you down. <laughs> I mean, the pressure has to be... The Italians be like, I'll break your kneecaps. <laughs> yeah, forget about it, okay? I'm going to send you a seven horse head for you. You know, it's like, what? I can't imagine the pressure of that. And at the beginning of the conversation, Bishop Robert Barron was trying to get into his, his acting style and all of that. And I think this plays into it. It's like, he, he said, are you a method actor? You kind of have a reputation. He's like, I don't really, I don't like the method acting reputation. Uh, it, it really made sense that uh, Shia was saying, listen, it, for me, it's not about being constantly in the character like, say, uh, uh, Jim Carrey and uh, and a bunch of these other method actors, uh, how they stay in character 24-7 during the shoots. is No, it's, a, it's about the experience, experiencing something on the inside about the character, about the story itself. And with Padre Pio, he, he, he describes the journey of his showing up, so grateful that he has yet one more chance to redeem his Hollywood acting career, from Abel Ferreira. So he goes to this uh, seminary, this monastery. He hangs out with Franciscans and he has to be introduced not to Padre Pio, but to Catholicism, to theology, to philosophy, to liturgy. He has to be introduced to prayer, to conversation with God. And he begins to, uh, to be transformed by this experience and by the Holy uh, Mass in particular has a profound effect. And that's all before he ever gets to truly trying to understand who St. Padre Pio was, let alone the complexities of the man of St. Padre Pio, who had a reputation for chasing people out of the confessional, for all of his uh, mystical experiences of bilocation, of levitation, of stigmata and miracles and more. Plus, there was the persecution of the hierarchy of the church upon St. Padre Pio. Uh, where he was prevented from saying um, mass publicly or hearing confessions or even forbidden from writing to his his uh, spiritual directees. I mean, the, all the writings we have of him are from his early years, none from his later years because the church forbid it after that. And him it being completely obedient, even though he was unjustly, as it was proven, unjustly uh, you know, levied against him. So very fast. Let me play this next clip. I think it gives us insight into that. Uh, could you go to 49.33, please, Adrian? Further. And there was a certain point where Abel's like asking me to do an accent. And if you didn't do an accent, no, you just spoke no, in your American. Yeah, because at a certain point, like I prayed on it, you yeah. know, and I thought, this is the separation I'm not after. This feels like, like, okay, now I'm just like wearing a mask, like a P.O. mask. Yeah, right. Whereas um, it felt like the task wasn't that. The task even beyond what the director was asking of me. And he found a way to find the same kind of, uh, mm. he found my reasoning just was that I was having like genuine, while we were practicing Latin mass, I was having genuine emotional experiences. Mm. And be, aside from the fact that 
you know, as a, a Neapolitan speaker, his accent would have matched Italian anyway. Let, let me but, stop you there just for sake of time. What he says here is very powerful and in great insight. He goes on to say the way to understand St. Padre Pio, to get into his head, to get into his heart, to portray him as, a, as an actor, was through the Mass. It wasn't in trying to master his accent it was trying to understand his deep, profound, mystical connection to the Holy Mass and how he would sit there in adoration of the consecrated host and just be totally wrapped up and absorbed in ecstasy of adoring our Lord in the Eucharistic species, shedding tears because he realized that he was at the foot of the cross, not pretend, not good, you know, fanciful notions, but actually present at the foot of the cross, witnessing the crucifixion of our Lord, and that deeply, profoundly uh, impacted St. Padre Pio. And this was the gateway in which he tried to understand St. Padre Pio. But i got to say, the accent thing is, uh, I'm a little worried about that. Let me play this last clip, uh, which I think is also very, uh, very intimate for Shia LaBeouf to share with us. Latin mass affects me deeply, deeply. And, How come? and because it feels like they're not selling me a car. Hmm. And when I go to some mass with the guitars and stuff, yeah. and I'm from, you know, Santa Inez, right? So that's where I was catechized. And there's a lot of guitar playing and there's a lot of like what feels like um, like they're trying to sell me on an idea. Yeah. Whereas what I feel when I went to Oakland and went to like, um, and, and by the way, there's a very incredible version of that as well. That's super activating and very emotional that I've experienced up there with Father Bobby. There's also, and Father Peter, but there's also this something that happened, you know, Christ the King in Oakland does a Latin mass every day of the week. And it feels like it's, it's not being done to sell me on anything. Mm-hmm. And it, and there's the key mass is not about, uh, us having some, pro, you know, experience of, of uh, making us fully participate, but it's being present at the foot of the cross, offering our intentions with the priest to God in complete adoration and worship of him. And I, I find that interesting because I think Shia just communicated something uh, about specifically the TLM that I have been searching for words for now these past several years. It's a profound in, uh, insight, and I pray for Shia in full conversion. We'll be right back. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile, and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is just a bunch of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts and it's against freedom? G.K. Chesterton says, Catholic doctrine and discipline may be walls, but they are the walls of a playground. Freedom exists only within the rules. The greatest act of freedom is obedience, not disobedience. Breaking the rules never makes us happy and certainly does not make us free. God's rules are for our good, not to restrict us, but to protect us. That is how the truth makes us free. Chesterton says that while the church has established rule and order, the chief aim of that order is to give room for good things to run wild. You want more than a minute? 
kchesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Daily Wire reports Shia LaBeouf discusses role that led his to his conversion to Catholicism. He says it saved his life, just in case you missed the previous segment. Actor Shia LaBeouf opened up about the role he had said led to his conversion to Catholicism and helped him find faith during a time of his life he called very dark. He said he was always had a belief but had no connection. During the 36-year-old actor's appearance on Bishop Barron Presents Con- Conversations at the Crossroads, Shia LaBeouf talked about studying for his role as the late mystic St. Padre Pio in the upcoming film. He said he was never an atheist but instead agnostic and credited Pio with saving his life. During his visit after uh, advice from a brother there, he began reading the gospel. Reflecting on his past, he said, It was seeing other people who have sinned beyond anything I could ever conceptualize, also being found in Christ, that made me feel like, okay, well, that gives me hope. The Daily Wire reports, Ancient artifacts, dinosaur tracks, and Nazi ships appear around the world as drought causes low water levels. This month, the Dinosaur Valley State Park in Texas discovered dinosaur tracks that were typically hidden by water and other materials. In Spain, a drought revealed a Spanish Stonehenge of sorts, which can be entirely viewed and uh, for the second time ever since it was uh, water-shielded in the 1960s. Warnings from previous droughts have also resurfaced in Germany. Hunger stones have been uh, appearing along the River Rhine and contain initials and dates, according to Reuters. The dates include 1947, 1959, 2003, and 2018. It expressed that drought had brought back bad harvests, lack of food, high prices, and, and hunger for poor people. And the CNA reports, St. Peter's House believed to have been found on shore of Sea of Galilee. While excavating a 5th, 5th to 6th century Byzantine basilica at El Araj archaeological site located on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in Israel, the team discovered a large Greek mosaic that seems to bolster the theory that the church was built over the home of St. Peter and Andrew. Stephen Notley, the academic director at the excavation of what is being called the Church of the Apostles, is a professor of the New Testament and Christian origins at Neak University. He told CNA in a phone interview that the Basilica's mosaic is the most definitive archaeological connection we have with St. Peter. The mosaic is inscribed with a petition that asks for the intercession of St. Peter, who is referred to as a chief and commander of the heavenly apostles. The mosaic is over 1,500 years old and, according to Dr. Notley, is compelling evidence that the El Araj site is the lost city of Bethsaida, which he calls the lost city of the Gospels. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Boy, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about Shia not using the accent, though. I love movies. I like it when actors do fantastic jobs in movies, especially portraying certain like historical characters. So I'm a little nervous about that part of the film. But <laughs> I mean, I get what he said. He Would said, you rather a bad accent or mm, just no accent at all? Uh, well, I think high quality actors are capable of forcing themselves to, to, to do it well, right? Yeah. They get the best coaches. They work hard at it. Uh, that's what puts them a step above everybody else in that industry. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think Shia can achieve that. But I listened to his response, and he's like, if I did the accent, I, he goes, I feel like I'd be faking it versus I want to have something more sincere and authentic in the, in the interior experience of St. Padre Pio. I don't think that would distract me as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only way that I would think about that is 
now because you've mentioned it. <laughs> I've ruined it for you. <laughs> I'm going to watch uh, the movie. I'm I am looking think, forward to seeing oh, the movie. I really hope it's great. Yeah, me too. And I pray for Shia's, uh, you know, I, I pray that it, it, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll flourish as, yeah. as a catechist. But uh, let's jump into some more serious conversation here. A couple of stories in the news recently. Uh, Salman Rushdie was attacked in New York. Uh, also, there was a story in LifeSite about a young mother being burned to death because her husband uh, didn't want her to have a baby. Very troubling story. Joining us now to discuss all this is Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. Good morning to you, Robert Spencer. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God, I'm alive. How are you? Thank God. It counts, Just doesn't it? <laughs> it counts. Every day above ground's a good day. Yay yeah. and amen. Uh, all right, so uh, let's talk about let's talk about Salman Rushdie. Uh, very yes. in- interesting character. Uh, he wrote he wrote a book back in I think it was wasn't it eighty eight I think when he wrote the book about uh, satanic verses. Can we start there? What is this book and why has it gotten him into so much trouble? Absolutely, yes, Joe. It was written in nineteen eighty eight, and it is a novel. And it's uh, loosely based on an actual incident in Islamic tradition, which is known as the Satanic Verses Incident, in which Muhammad got a revelation that the three goddesses of the Quraysh, his own tribe, that had rejected his claim to be a prophet, that their three goddesses were the daughters of Allah and thus could be venerated. Now, this was something that made everybody very happy, and the Quraysh and the Muslims prayed together. The problem was that Muhammad went away and realized, wait a minute, I have now compromised my entire message, which up to this point has been complete uncompromising monotheism and an absolute denial that Allah has a son or daughters. Mm. Consequently, he went back and he said, look, uh, Satan inspired that revelation. That was not a revelation from Allah, and it was canceled. And you have a trace of it in the Quran in chapter 53 where it says, have you considered Allah, Al-Uzza, and Manat, which are the names of the three goddesses? And then it goes on to say, you, he has daughters and you have sons? That's not fair, which is, is as if to say, you're saying that Allah has daughters, while you yourself, you yourselves have sons. Obviously, sons are superior to daughters in this view, and consequently, they were disrespecting Allah. But this is an actual revision according to Islamic tradition, of what it originally said, which was that Allah, Al-Uzza, and Manat were worthy to be venerated. Wow. So, okay, let me just wrap my head around this. You're saying that the satanic verses from Salman Rushdie was a novel, so like a piece of fiction, but based on actual events. Yeah, based on events that are recorded in Islamic tradition by Muslims. And is the... Apologists deny that now, but Mm. it's very clear in Islamic tradition. Is the argument that there were verses that were redacted from the originals because of this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That uh, there was this initial revelation, and then Muhammad said, wait a minute, that's from Satan, which, of course, casts into doubt his entire prophetic claim, and then he replaced them. That's not your strongest argument. When you're like, uh, oh, and by the way, guys, that little bit, that was from Satan, but let's just ignore that part and just move on. Like, why wouldn't everybody go like, wait, hold on, what? You like to, what? Like, what part is Satan? What part isn't? I mean, like, you think we draw a committee up and have a review here, but that apparently didn't stick. No, uh, it's very strange. He, uh, according to the traditions anyway, was able to inspire a tremendous devotion in his followers 
And uh, some of them said that whatever he said, you know, obviously Allah is speaking to him. And so this didn't seem to trouble anyone. But it obviously embarrasses Islamic apologists to this day. Mm-hmm. And what Rushdie made of it in his novel, the Ayatollah Khomeini declared was blasphemous. And consequently, he had to be killed. And this is where all the troubles began. He actually, Khomeini actually specified in his fatwa that he was doing this in order to set an example mm-hmm. so that the West would know not to insult Islam in the future. And that's worked largely. Mm. So... On on average, the your average lay Muslim, how much do they know or not know about this history? Probably the average lay Muslim thinks that the satanic verses is something made up by enemies of Islam. This is not something that's taught in your average madrasa. But uh, it's absolutely unmistakable. There are numerous Islamic authorities who speak about the satanic verses incident. And any knowledgeable Muslim who starts to dig deeply into his own sources is going to encounter it. Okay, so what happened to Salman Rushdie this past week? Uh, Well, he was stabbed multiple times in the neck, as the Quran specifies, and elsewhere, uh, by Hadi Matar, who is a Lebanese Muslim who is a great admirer of Ayatollah Khomeini, who issued the initial fatwa, Ayatollah Khamenei, who is in power now, who affirmed the uh, continuing status of the death sentence on Rushdie just in 2019. And he was clearly acting in order to carry out the fatwa. So it's, it, I was looking into this, um, Mr. Spencer. The fatwa was, it was declared in 1988, and then uh, Ayatollah Khamenei, died in 1989. So how long does uh, a fatwa typically last, or does it have to be renewed, as you mentioned, with uh, with this current Ayatollah? Actually, uh, just to be absolutely precise, oh, okay. if you'll pardon my being pedantic, it was no, February 14, 1989, that it was issued, Valentine's Day. And uh, Rushdie said at one point that he got a little Valentine from the Islamic Republic every year because they would tell him <laughs> that it was still in force every wow. anniversary. Well, that's awfully nice of them. Very professional, very touching. <laughs> <laughs> but the the Ayatollah in Shiite Islam and the Imam, as Khomeini was often referred to, that, that he has infallibility. Mm. And so you can't just cancel his fatwa or say it's expired. It's always there. And the uh, Iranian leadership has reaffirmed that it was in force and still very much in force several times over the years, particularly when the Western press would say, oh, they're walking back this fatwa or it's everyone Mm. ignores it now. It's not really a thing. They would say, oh, yes, it is. It's still there. Just Hmm. as a follow up question uh, regarding that, uh, did did Iran say anything about this, this attempted uh, murder of Salman Rushdie? Yes, the uh, a spokesman for the Iranian foreign ministry said that Iran had nothing to do with this after there were reports that uh, Hadi Matar had been in touch with the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, which is a uh, military arm of the Islamic Republic. They had nothing to do with it, he said, but it was all Rushdie's fault. He brought it all on himself. <laughs> nothing to do with it, but golly gee whiz, are we happy anyway. But uh, all right, so hold that thought. Robert Spencer, Jihad Watch is our guest talking about Salman Rushdie, but I also want to bring up this this couple in Lebanon. All that and more coming up next. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What is the life expectancy of any human organization to exist under one rule of law? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the deceit of dominance. Kingdoms, empires, and societies all come and all go. Why? Moral decay, a blind eye, and defiance to the order of a civil society. Secondly, history. Kingdoms such as the Persians, the Greeks, the Ottomans, even the Roman Empire made it for around a thousand years, but soon they all find themselves failing, imploding, and finally splitting. Ah, but there's one that has survived, the Catholic Church, and under one rule of law. And thirdly, my take, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would infuse the apostles with a divine glue that would hold his church together. It is a human impossibility that the Catholic Church would persist through time, terror, and trouble. Well, the Rolling Stones have lasted 60 years, the Atlanta Braves about 150, the teetering Southern Baptists about 180, but we're still here 2,000 years later, and the best is yet to come. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the Church for evangelism today. I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the Ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Robert Spencer's our guest. Uh, Jihad Watch is his organization. Um, you should check it out. Let me ask you a question, uh, Robert. Simon, Rush, Simon Rushdie, is he, he going to live? What is his situation right now? The, he was very severely injured, and the uh, re- last reports I saw were that it looks like he's going to lose an eye and there was extensive damage to his liver, uh, also to one of his arms. And so uh, we don't know what kind of a condition he's going to be in. But also his son said that he was back to being his sardonic self and cracking jokes and such and in good spirits. And so well, uh, praise God for perhaps that. he will make a generally good recovery. What is it like? to be in the business, air quotes here, scare quotes, the business of uh, raising awareness of what happens in Islam and having threats against your life and your family and, and whatnot. What is that like? Well, I can tell you that personally, they've tried to kill me twice and I've gotten lots of death threats. Uh, back in 2015, we had a free speech event, uh, an event in, designed to defend the freedom of speech, that is, but it involved a, a cartoon contest of Muhammad a couple of uh, jihadis drove from Phoenix eight hours to Garland, Texas, uh, to shoot us all dead. But they were stopped by our security team in the parking lot and uh, killed actually themselves after they shot one of our guards. Um, and then I was poisoned a few years later after speaking in Iceland. Guy uh, st- slipped something into uh, my drink in a restaurant. Now, this was... Uh, this is these things just make me think, well, you know, it's not as if I'm going to live forever if I don't do this. And we have to have people who are willing to speak truth, even at, at risk, or else we're going to give to our children a society in which they have to live on their knees and submit. Mm-hmm. If you give in to violent intimidation, you're just going to get more of it. Yeah, it's funny. They uh, they do support free speech. It's just uh, you're free to say whatever they think you can say. 
Um, but I, I, so you know, free speech. But it's interesting though. I I am very impressed that you have not been kicked off of every social media site. My friend Bug Hall uh, posted one post about uh, Muhammad being a uh, pedophile and a war mongerer, and he immediately got kicked off of Twitter and banned. Uh, with just one post, how on earth are you able to keep Jihad Watch available places and yourself available places? Well, I guess uh, the I don't really know what Twitter's thinking, and I think they could lower the boom any time. But I do try, and I don't mean any criticism of your friend or anyone here, but in my uh, own posts that go up on Twitter, I'm very scrupulously uh, accurate, adhere to the source material, provide the source, give citations, the whole deal. And so it's hard for them to say that I'm posting. I mean, of course, there are individuals on Twitter who say all the time, oh, you just made this up, and then I give the source. Or you're lying, and, you know, then I give the quotes. But it's hard for Twitter to say this guy is fabricating material when it's all right there. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's why, but I'm, I got, I got to tell you, I'm as mystified as you are. <laughs> I, get, I have to imagine, though, that it uh, can be stressful and anxious. Do you have peace? Uh, I mean, uh, given the death threats and the, uh, the two attempted, uh, attempts on your life, I mean, do you have to just muster up that courage or do, are you at peace? Well, you know, I do believe that this is something that is an aspect of the, of my Christian observance. It's a, it's, this is, uh, something that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm doing it. And so I hope that God blesses what I'm doing. And when he decides that it's time for me to stop, then maybe somebody will get me, but you know, this is all in his hands. And mm -hmm. so in so far as I remember that, I certainly do have peace and I'm not saying I remember it all the time, but that's the way it is. Amen. Let me ask you about this story that I saw. I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, out of LifeSide News. His young mother dies after husband set her on fire for refusing abortion. And let me just read like the first paragraph here. It says, Hannah Mohammed Kohodor died. I don't know how to say her last name probably. But either way, she died on August the 17th. She had been in Al Salam Hospital in Lebanon for 11 days after being set on fire by her husband for refusing to abort her child. Uh, that's a pretty horrific story. Um, we do get reports of abuse similar to this uh, all the time that comes out of Islam. But uh, did you see the story? And what were your thoughts? Yeah, I did. And it's just another manifestation of the culture of violence that is cultivated by passages like chapter 4, verse 34 of the Quran, which says, Good women are obedient, as for those from whom you fear disobedience, give them a warning, send them to separate beds, and beat them. Now, there are legions of Islamic apologists in the United States right now who will tell you, oh, Muhammad was brushing his teeth and they came up to him and said, what should we beat our wives with? And he held up his toothbrush. It's merely a symbolic beating to show her you don't cause her any pain. But this is just for Western consumption. <laughs> the unfortunate reality is that nobody really cares if you beat your wife in an Islamic country. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't know if you know the movie The Stoning of Soraya M. Yes, I have that was watched it. In Jordan. Jordan stood in for Iran mm -hmm. in that movie. And the producer of the movie told me that when they were filming a scene of the husband beating the wife going down the street, there were Jordanian extras lining the street 
And they were all happy and applauding and saying, good, give her what she deserves. This is the kind wow. of thing women need. And this was ordinary Jordanian people. Mm. And uh, I'm not saying that every last Muslim thinks this way, but unfortunately that is the atmosphere in all too many Islamic contexts because yeah. of Islamic texts and teachings. And so this kind of thing does happen. Well, speaking of which, that just reminded me of the article that you had out uh, from Afghanistan of Muslims bombing another Muslim arrival mosque. And that the idea that I think a lot of people forget that probably the vast majority of crimes of murders of terrorist attacks are against Muslims on other Muslims. Could you speak a little bit about that situation? Yeah, this is a very important point because a lot of apologists also say, well, see, this shows the terrorists aren't Muslims because they wouldn't kill other Muslims because chapter four, verse 92 of the Quran forbids a Muslim to killing another Muslim. But you're, there is a death penalty for heresy and apostasy. And so every sect can kill people from every other sect <laughs> and think they're righteous hmm. because they're carrying out the death penalty, <coughs> excuse me, for apostasy. So in this case, it was probably ISIS, the Islamic State, killing other Sunni Muslims because they refused to accept the validity of the ISIS caliphate. And thus, they're, they're not really Muslims, and mm -hmm. they are apostates to be killed. Let me go back to the story out of LifeSite here with this woman who was burned mm -hmm. to death. One of the things that caught me off guard, and I'd like you to get your, your clarity here, is I was under the impression that Islam is against abortion. Yeah, this is not true. And this is something that I've encountered among Christians of all denominations for many years, people saying we can make common cause with Muslims against the atheist secularists and pro-abortion forces because we're all pro-life. That's not the case. Islam does not teach the sanctity of life from the moment of conception and allows for abortion usually in the early stages. But there is just not that kind of uh, value placed on the sanctity of life. Do you have a sense of how prevalent abortion is within Islam, uh, in, especially, like, say, in the Middle East, let alone in America? I mean, are American Muslims aborting at higher rates than Muslims in, say, Iran or Saudi Arabia? Maybe, but actually abortion is probably not all that prevalent anywhere. It is, It does happen. It does exist. And it's not against Islam. However, there is a tremendous emphasis in Islam across the board, in all countries, to have a lot of children. And this also confuses uh, Catholics because they think, you know, well, look, they, they, they value life. They love a large family, just like we do. The problem there is that the idea of having a lot of children in Islam is part of the supremacist, supremacist impulse and the will to dominate. Uh, just yesterday, there was a guy in Denmark, a Muslim in Denmark, berating a native Dane and saying, we have seven or eight children and you have one or two and uh, we're going to exterminate you. In another generation, there won't be any more Danes. And so this is not really something that uh, is a positive sign for the Christian world and shouldn't be taken as such. Well, I mean, there are parts of... England, where you just can't go into these Muslim communities there, uh, basically, no police officers don't even go into those communities. Uh, I'm sure it's that Sharia courts in Texas. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Italy, France, a, a lot of these countries have growing and huge populations, do they not? 
Oh, yeah, sure, because you've got polygamy. And so you've got a man who has four wives, and he has seven children from each wife, 28 children. This is not incredibly uncommon. Wow. Actually, it's more common than un uncommon in many areas of the Islamic world. There are some places where the population is not growing so quickly, but the fastest growing countries in terms of population are Muslim countries. And this is why people say Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. It's not because it's convincing people on a large scale that it's true. It's because they're having a lot of children and we aren't. Mm. Well, I mean, that's a pretty uh, eye-opening revelation. Do you? Th how are we got about a minute left? How are Europeans coming to grips with this? The reality that their culture may be extinct in uh, just a few generations. I don't think Europeans generally are aware or care that this is happening, and I think this is the result of the kind of desiccated. Uh, rootless materialism and secularism that has taken hold of Europe over the last generation or two, maybe longer. Uh, they don't see any real value in perpetuating their own lives, perpetuating their, their family, the human species. They've been propagandized with all kinds of material about overpopulation and so on. And the uh, mass Muslim migration into Europe was actually brought about sold to Europeans on the basis of that these people will replace the population based on uh, the low birth rates of the natives in Europe. They will come in and take the jobs that we're too old to take and there aren't enough people to do. Wow. Well, lots to pray about there. We are difficult days still to face ahead of us here. Robert Spencer has been our guest. JihadWatch.org is his website. Lots of great articles there and insight into a lot of these headlines. JihadWatch.org. Robert Spencer, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. All right. We'll have him back on soon. And that's going to do it for hour number one. Do not forget to sign up for our CDT Insider email. It goes out today. I always have some goodies to send your way, a little entertainment for your weekend. I'll send you a link to the movie trailer to Shia LaBeouf's Padre Pio, as well as the interview. If you've not seen it, I'll send those to you, as well as some of the goodies and some of the recaps of the conversations we've had this week. All that going to be in your inbox later this afternoon. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the CDT Insider email list. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you can hang out with us next hour, we would love to have you. Otherwise, we'll see you on Monday. God love you. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. When it comes to screens and our kids, we parents have a default response. Turn it off and go outside. But have we ever given that advice to ourselves? The first step in helping our children manage technology is to look at our own use of screens. I have to ask myself, how much time do I spend on my phone? Am I spending all my evenings on the computer? Am I a good model for my child or teen when it comes to screens? The time suck of technology is one of the major concerns that parents bring to us. And the first thing we tell them is that we parents have to start with ourselves. If it's a challenge for us to limit technology, how much more challenging will it be for our children, tweens, and teens? Our own struggle should give us empathy with them as we help them manage the challenge of technology. To download our free and newly updated resource on screens and your kids, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com. Hi, I'm Father Wenzel Pavlovsky from St. Paul the Apostle Catholic Church in Nassau Bay. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. By the grace of God, good morning. I'm still thinking about uh, Padre Pio and Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and I want it to be good. I do. I just... It's not sure. Oh, yeah. I'm very sense. emotionally conflicted over... Should I watch it? Should I not watch it? I want, I'm going to watch it. Definitely, I'm committing myself to watching it. I'm just worried it's not... I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, like, critical of it or something. You will be critical of it. Um I, I, the accent thing is going to throw you, me. It's just oh, going to throw me. I'm just wondering, you know, like, what do you expect from a film? Okay, I don't want to be, like I, like I said, I appreciate what he said about the accent. Like, he just, for him personally, I <laughs> get it. Just accent. The accent. But here's what I don't want. Here's what I don't want. I don't want to watch the film and see Shia LaBeouf. I want to see St. Padre Pio. Well, there's this thing that you have to do mm-hmm. when you watch movies. Yeah. I have to have suspicion of disbelief. Okay, that helps. Because that helps when you have actors that's, that's who Shia act really well, and therefore make it easier. Like so. you know, uh, in uh, Passion of the Christ when they used original languages, or like in Apocalypto when they used original languages, or like so many movies where the actors force themselves to learn language or accent in order to sell you the character a little better, a little. That's easier. such an American way of looking at things. You think. Uh, like for example, Italians watching Italians act in movies, uh, mm-hmm. and they're speaking Italian instead of speaking oh, English. English. Do it all the time. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I sent out uh, a film. I think it was uh, a couple weeks back, and about uh, German characters, and they're all speaking English accents. <laughs> I, I get it. I understand. I again, I want it to be good. I'm just worried you that want to believe. I'll be. Wa- but Saint Padre Pio is so personal to me. Yeah. I mean, I think you're coming in with too much baggage. Well, whether he's personal to a bunch of people or whatever, neither here nor there. He's personal to me, and I'm Mm -hmm. worried about how I will feel about watching a film about something so personal to me, and whether or not I will not give it a fair shake because of that. You feel that way about all the books too, Uh, the Padre Pio books. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, maybe the last Padre Pio book I read was the Last Mass of Padre Pio, which was kind of heartbreaking, to be honest with you. You know, his very last mass being dragged out there against his will 
but doing so out of strict obedience, I, I was, it was kind of an emotional thing. It was, I was, I was you know what? Up. I don't actually know the story of St. Potter Pio. You should tell us in the after show. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll do it's that. It's a long story. It's too long? Yeah. Well, that's okay. Well, well, let's let's, uh, oh, let's well. go ahead and block four or five hours for that. Uh, oh, okay. Get that done. Hey, by the way, if you're looking to jump on like Rebecca was asking about how do we get on the CDT Insider email, you can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. The other way you can do it is simply pull out your, your phone and you could text to join our email list. All you have to do is text the letters GRN to the number 42828. So you text GRN to the number 42828. That will also get you on the CDT Insider email list. You'll sign up right away. We're going to send you a talk by Father Bill Casey as just a thank you for signing up to our list. That'll come hit your inbox right away. But later today, I'll, I'll send you the weekly CDT Insider email, which will include the goodies, uh, like the extra entertainment plus recaps of conversations that we've had over the week. By the way, next week's going to be very interesting. I'm going to have Luke Coffey on uh, next week. He was, uh, he was dead center at the most uh, controversial portion of the January 6th incident on Capitol Hill. He's facing 20 years in prison. He's going to be our guest on Tuesday. And then we have a gentleman coming on who was uh, a major player in the Tiananmen Square. Uh, he helped to uh, pr- uh, organize the student protest that ended up in a major massacre there. And we're going to have him, I think, in studio even. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, a lot of great commentary and guests coming up next. we got Father Donald Calloway is also on the agenda for next week as well. So uh, stick around. Make sure you're, you're tuned in to Catholic Drive Time. But uh, let's go to our good friend, uh, accent expert, Dave Palmer, host of Back to uh, the Father. Good morning to you, Dave Palmer. Good morning, Joe. I don't feel like I belong in the list of mm-hmm. guys that you just mentioned there. So, uh, anyways, that's- nonetheless, <laughs> in great humility, here you are. Now, you are you are world renowned expert in accent vocal coaching. So, what do you, what is your opinion? Allegedly, anyway, what is your opinion of uh, of actors who don't use accents to portray real life characters? Well, you know. I, I never even thought about that until you guys started talking <laughs> so about it. I've ruined minutes, it for everyone. With you. Yep. So I'm still kind of processing the whole thing. But what I, I, I heard you talk about it, but what was the reason why he's not doing the accent? Because he didn't. Yeah. So he said in his interview with Bishop Robert Barron, he said, listen, I was asked to do an accent. I'm, I'm summarizing it here. He said, I was asked to do an accent, but I really feel that if I did that, I would simply be, it would be the experience of that would be too fake. And that would just simply be putting on a Padre Pio mask. Whereas his, what he said was, this has become a real spiritual journey for him personally. And the way he's truly gotten to know who Padre Pio is was through the traditional Latin mass specifically. And, and trying to understand, and he actually made distinctions between the traditional Latin mass of the Institute of Christ the King and others and what Padre Pio was doing, which was a far more mystical and emotional experience. And he felt like if he focused on trying to nail an accent, it would take him out of that experience and he wouldn't portray that as, as good as he could. So the director agreed and therefore he just used his own voice the entire time. Yeah. I mean, who am I to question that? But I, I'm thinking he's acting somebody else anyways. You know, he's already 
you know, acting is kind of fake and, and it's by mm-hmm. its very nature, mm-hmm. you're becoming another person. So why not just add yeah, see, that, yeah, just, that uh, little uh, element? Uh, that that close. Just like Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise got bashed for not doing a German accent when he did the Valkyrie movie. Remember that? Yeah. The guy who uh, it was uh, the, the German conspiracy to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Uh, he played a character, a pivotal character in that, Devon Strassen, I think it was the character's name. Uh, and uh, he did his own voice, and uh, he got bashed for that. Uh, so I, I hope that the movie doesn't get overly criticized by people like me and others uh, and not give it a fair shake. I really do feel that way. But the real question is, can Shia merit anything from God by, by nailing an accent? What would say you? And yeah. Thomas Aquinas. I will, I will say, I saw some of the, just to go back to that real quickly, Joe, I saw some of the clips with his interview with uh, Bishop Barron, and I was amazed at the the depth of his understanding of, uh, yeah, I think he understands the TLM better than I do. I, I mean, said and, the same thing. I'm like, this is, I'm like, jealous. <laughs> like, golly gee whiz, I've been going to the TLM now for years, and Shia LaBeouf nails it in, in five seconds, and I'm still working on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, the topic today on, on Back to the Father is going to be, I, I don't even know where this came from. It's just, I felt the inspiration to talk about this because it's really, when it all comes down, the most important question that we can ask of ourselves, because we're all going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell, right? And this mm. lifetime here on earth is a little blip of our existence. And so we should be really asking ourselves, if we are so blessed as to get to heaven, what do we need to do? Is there anything we can do? Is it all on God's part? Is it just his grace? Can I can I do a little myself? Is there any merit? And of course, this is a very, you know, thorny question in the Protestant Catholic debate about the, the balance between God's grace and our merit. And so the very last question of the first half of the Summa in the section on grace, Thomas takes it head on, and he asks, he has a whole question with about 10 articles about merit, and he asks directly, can man merit from God? And how do you think he comes down on that? Uh, yeah. Both and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but keeping all his options open, Adrian Fonseca, everybody. Well, in that particular article, he says, yes, we, yeah, we can. Uh, in fact, I don't quite understand the big debate because Thomas comes down on what's called divine ordination. He says, hey, basically God creates the rules. God makes man, and, and God has made man in such a way that he has free will, and he made him such that he can cooperate with God's grace and participate in his justification so therefore he can merit and i think the way thomas is saying it is that hey god can do whatever he wants and if we you know if if i want to allow my son to help me mow the yard i can do that because i'm in charge of mowing the yard you know so the the whole thing where you know god can't allow us to cooperate in our justification it's basically putting us above god and saying hey God, you can do whatever you want, and if you want us to allow ourselves to merit in cooperation with you, then so be it. Does that make sense? Yes. I always point out, whenever I have conversations with non-Catholics who talk about, uh, you can't earn salvation. I'm like, well, here's the thing, though. Every single instance in sacred scripture where uh, there is conversation about how we are personally judged is always based on what we've done the actions yeah. we have taken. It's not based on my faith, right? Like, I've accepted the Lord Jesus as my Lord, personal Lord and Savior, and 
spoiler, I have, but my judgment is is based on how I have lived, the choices I have made, the actions I have taken. That should speak volumes about what we believe as Catholics. Yeah. The other thing is, I know Adrian a moment ago said both and, and he, he's right because God's grace is so preeminent in this like in that very question i said there were like 10 articles right he says and i'm reading this off my screen here whether anyone without grace can merit eternal life no whether a man may merit for himself the first grace no whether a man may merit the first grace for another no whether a man may merit restoration after a fall no so it's like no 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 you you can't if if grace isn't involved in 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 fact the first impulse has to be god's invitation uh uh, but beyond that, within that framework, we can, we can merit. We can we can assist. You know, we can be like the the son helping his dad mow the yard with his little fake mower. You know, we can we can participate in that that process. Um, mm. I don't know, Adrian. You, you got anything that you want to add to that? Have you read that that question, the Summa? Yes, yes. I think that's a must read for anybody who debates with Protestants at all, because it really points out the fact that yes, grace is preeminent. It is the first movement because without grace, you can do literally nothing. And so, but with grace, we can do quite a bit of things. And it's interesting. The gospel today is perfectly relevant uh, because here, Cornelius Lapide commenting on this, he said, Thus their lamps are dying out. Yea, as a Syriac hath it, that they have been extinguished according to their words. Faith without works is dead. The lamp, therefore, is the faithful mind or faith itself. The oil is good works, without which faith is dead and, as it were, extinct but with them alive and burning. So the, the flame, he said, is charity, and, so that, and, the zeal, uh, and that relates to the zeal of good works. So it's very interesting because we, the Protestant error is to boil things down and oversimplify things, but Thomas in the Thomistic tradition very clearly shows, yes, of course, we it's grace, but it's not grace alone, if by grace alone you mean that there is no need for works at all, because then you're just violating Scripture. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you mentioned charity and it all does come down to charity and there's also a lot that has to do with justice, you know, any equality, you know, our the great inequality between us and God. And I would also just say Joe in 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 my last comment is that I think people need to be careful if they're so hooked on everything is going to be God, everything's going to be God. It's it's almost a sense of spiritual laziness mm. in saying that, hey, God's got this. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to help the poor i don't have to be nice to my neighbor you know it's 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 god's got it i'm gonna i'm gonna sit back and you know wait for my salvation (laughs) you know it's it's kind of a fascinating thing and i can think of how it can go into a thousand different directions but if we if we truly love god if we really do appreciate the sacrifice he has made for us the opportunity to even have a chance at heaven then how little we act like that how little we conduct our lives as though that's that's we actually believe that right like we we don't often give god what is due to him we just expect he's god he can handle it you know uh whether or not that's going to mass on sunday uh faithfully to give god what is due to him or it's when we do go to mass actually worshiping him uh mind body and soul but more importantly to be specific and intentional in the action of giving him what is due instead of going to holy mass and expecting just a to get something out of it. You know what I mean? Do you, do you see what I'm saying about that? 
Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I was kind of saying at the beginning is that I think every moment of our day or several times a day, we need to be saying, uh, you know, this life is so temporal. It's so fleeting. And what, what am I doing? Am I responding to God's grace? And where am I going to spend eternity? And I think Amen. whether it's in worship or whether mm-hmm. it's in our, our charity or our sense of justice or, or whatever, the entirety of, of how we are as human people, it should be front of mind. All it's right. Really, most important thing. Yeah, praise be to God. Back to the Father airs 1 p.m. Central. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, that's right. 1 p.m. Central on the GRN online uh, YouTube channel and Facebook page. Go to uh, Facebook or YouTube. Search for the GRN online. 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern for Back to the Father. Coming up after the break, it is fear and trembling. And today is the day we give out prizes. So call now, 877-757-9424. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts twenty two sixteen. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter three twenty one. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. You're just not supposed to tell anybody. And today is a very special day on the show because we give out the prize every Friday. We give out prizes. It's the funnest part of Friday. It's just giving stuff away. Praise be to God. Uh, But uh, here is the deal. All right. There are a few things we like to do on the down low. Number one, we like to teach the faith. And uh, you know what? You're going to learn something you didn't know before. Praise be to God. Although I'm looking at maybe you might learn one thing today. 
Possibly two. It's potentially two, but at least one. And that's good. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to chuckle, have a good time. Our callers are actually amazing. We love that part. And then we give out prizes, which means it's an incentive for everyone. It's a good time. Everybody wins in the end. And we love that. But here's the kicker. Out of the three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me, we don't ask a single one to the caller. They might not know any of these answers, but could still win our game. And that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, I shall ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. And the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every time we get that right, well, they go into the coffee cup at Divine Providence and could win the game. Rudy, what could they win? This week, praise be to God, we are giving away another CDT prize pack. So praise be to God, we have a couple more to go, and uh, maybe we'll release another uh, Coffee Cup of Divine Providence replica uh, in the near future. So that'd be mm. interesting. But you're going to win an autographed replica, as I mentioned, of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence, as well as some other mm. CDT goodies. Mm. And uh, we're going to draw that in just a few minutes. They don't get the original. You don't get the original, no. Yeah, that's highly guarded. Yeah. yeah, if you listen to the news segments, we actually found the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence oh, yeah. at that uh, basilica that they just unearthed. I think that it was uh, that documentary film, uh, what was it called, Indiana Jones 5? I'm pretty sure oh, documented yes. how we discovered the Coffee Cup of Divine, which Shia LaBeouf was a part of that, if I'm not mistaken. Number five? Oh, I think was, are you that. sure? Number he five or four, I forget. I forgot Shia LaBeouf was in one oh, of those. Yeah. He was in Crystal Skull, right? Yeah. That was a terrible movie. No, it was a documentary film about the oh, coffee garbage. cup of fine providence. Anyway, let's have some fun. Let's go to the, the phones here. Ian, good morning to you. Hello. Good morning, Ian. Where are you from? Houston, Texas. Now, you sound like you're of great vintage. What are you, like a, a senior in college? or like How old are you? Ten. You're Ten. And you're already a senior in college? That's amazing. (laughs) I'm I'm teasing, Ian. I'm teasing. Are you on your way to school today? Yes. And where do you go to school? St. Teresa. St. Teresa's. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Which one, Sugarland or Houston? Sugarland. Nice. Nice. Just a quick question. Favorite subject? Yeah, in high school. College. College. Where do you go to school? You St. Teresa's. That's like a middle school. Elementary through middle through eighth okay. grade. Okay, favorite favorite subject, Ian. Math. Math. Wow, you got a brainiac over here. Wow, I don't think I share your perspective there, Ian. Math is not my thing, but uh, I'm glad it's your thing. Praise be to God. Are you are you prepared to play, Ian? Do you know how this works? Yes. All right, let's do this. We will start with Team Rudy, who is uh, it's got a Friday ascot going going oh, on yeah. now. I've been tracking the data now for months, and uh, Fridays are Ascot days. <laughs> so correlate that math equation there, Ian, very carefully. But uh, Team Rudy, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Joe. Are you ready? I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I, I want, does everybody in the Team Rudy universe wear Ascots on Fridays? Uh, I have mandated it. I see. Anyone who does I not will okay. receive a fuck. Maybe maybe uh, Team Rudy fans could like wear an ascot, take a picture, a selfie, and send it in. That would be that would be fun. That would be baller. That as, would be really as cool. Team Rudy would if say. you could find one. That would be baller. <laughs> All right, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? I'm ready. Uh, are you really sure? Yes. Can we start with an easy one then? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Who were the evangelist writers? 
okay, you're going to go to your library, crack open the Bible, mm. dust it off because yeah. you haven't read it in a while. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Whew. I remember hearing about them somewhere. You're going to see those books in there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is your mm-hmm. answer. Yep. All right, well. I think, uh, Ian, we should maybe ask a biblical expert, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Adrian Fonseca. I know you have advanced degrees in biblical expertise. I do. I do. Uh, I, my PhD mm-hmm. specifically I see. in uh-huh. QAnon sources. Q- really? <laughs> yeah. Is it QAnon or QAnon? Oh, is that from 4chan University? I'm just curious. Mm. But uh, could you tell me, who were the evangelist writers, sir? Yes. So that would be the Q, hence uh, oh. my PhD. Uh, There's okay. the Q source. Uh-huh. That's the, the real, one of the real evangelical writers. Uh-huh. There is the Kidron Valley community. Oh, I see. There is the Pauline community. Uh-huh. And then there is the Petrine community. They need to get some acronyms going. That's a lot of I words. I know. I know. So you said it was Q, mm-hmm. Pauline, Kidron, mm-hmm. and what, mm-hmm. what was the other one? And Peter. And Peter. what? And Peter's community. And Peter. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Ian, you got options here. Adrian is talking about uh, the Q source, the Pauline source, the Kidron Valley source. And the Peter, whereas uh, Rudy just goes straight up with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Who were the evangelist writers in the New Testament? Ian, 15 seconds. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? Rudy. All right. He's going to go straight up. Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's right. Ah, the Q source. Are we talking about water? Matthew, water Mark, Luke, and John is the correct answer, but a lot of people believe in a Q source, unfortunately. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. We never have seen that thing. Mm. Okay, all right, good job. Ian, you're in the cup. You might win today. Let's see if we can't double your chances. This next one, slightly more tricky, but not really. Let's just <sighs> see. We're going to go with Adrian. Adrian is constantly genuflecting. He should know the answer to constantly this. Constantly genuflecting. Are, are genuflections made before living persons? Adrian Fonseca. Of course. Whenever you see the Pope or mm-hmm. the Cardinal, yeah. you should genuflect to him. And ideally, you'd kiss his ring. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless he would yanks his hand away from you. In which <laughs> well, case, <that's> a, <laughs> awkward. But okay, yes. So you're saying yes to the Pope and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Rudy, I'm curious as to what you will say on this. Uh, are genuflections made before living persons? You know, as for me and my house, we are unbowed, unbo- unbroken. Really? So, no, we do not genuflect to any living person, only the cross. That's the only thing that we can genuflect to. And the tabernacle. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Our blessed Lord. All right, Ian. uh, Let's see here. The question is, should we as Catholics genuflect before a living person? Uh, Rudy says no, only the Eucharist and the cross, whereas Adrian says yes to the Pope and Cardinals. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Ian at St. Teresa's in Sugarland, Texas. What say you? Rudy. That's a tricky question, so don't feel bad. But the answer is, in fact, yes, we do. We're supposed to genuflect before the Pope kiss his ring, for instance. Uh, bishops, too, Adrian? Uh, cardinals, uh, bishops, mm-hmm. well... Which knee, right mm-hmm. or left? That's actually a good question. I think, I think it's, it's the left. I think it's the left, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about left. that. Uh, so we learned something new. You, I mean, a lot of bishops don't really, they don't feel comfortable with that, so they don't really want you doing it. But yeah, sometimes they might yank their hand away. Yeah, or they just don't want you to get on your knees or kiss their ring or whatever. But uh, nonetheless, that's what we're supposed to be doing, genuflecting, kissing the ring. Um, because it is Christ within them, right, that we are giving due reverence and honor to. In their office. Yeah, the In office. Their office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Praise be to God. 
We're going to go and get you in this cup one way or another a second time, Ian. All right, here we go. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Okay. This is a tough one. Mm. Okay. What were, as in no longer are, the six classifications of movies used by the Legion of Decency? Okay, so it starts off surprisingly with S tier, which is superior tier. Then, kind of like school, Ian, it goes A, B, C, D, F. As in, it goes from good to bad. What? What? I'm sorry, what? What? All right, so your answer is the alphabet. Basically, yeah. but it's but S tier, yeah. Superior tier, you got and some ABCD, sort of superiority yeah. complex thing going down. Yeah. All right. It's hmm. the ascot. I'm sorry. Sure. That makes total sense. Adrian, maybe you could tell me what were the six classifications of movies that used to be used by the Legion of Decency? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a one, a two, a three. Okay. A4 uh-huh. and B and C. That's awfully hard. I know. I know. Like <laughs> A1 is for general patronage, A2 yeah. for adults and adolescents. Oh. And A3 is for adults only. I see. So, and, and then, then B is morally objectionable, C is condemned. Don't ever watch it. Yeah, don't ever watch it. Got and A4 for adults with reservations. All right, Ian, this is a tricky question because it's a history question. It no longer applies, unfortunately. But nonetheless, there was a League of Decency and they had a classification to rate movies so that we would know what was worthy of watching. Adrian says it's A1, A2, A3, A4, B, and C. But Rudy says it's S and then A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, whatever. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Ian, what say you? Adrian. Surface says. He says with skepticism. Yes. Well done. Well played, Ian. Well played. Right. You did great. You did great. Stand by. Stand by. Here we go. Have one in my hand here, and it's Danny. Danny, Danny congratulations! Wendy. Praise be to God, Danny. Well, Ian, Ian, thanks uh, for playing with us. You played a great game, sir. It was a little bit of a trickiness, but you did well. Thank you for being on our show today, Ian. Thank you. God bless you, Ian. You have a great day at school. We'll be praying for you and for your family, and everybody at the school. Hopefully, it goes really well. And enjoy math because somebody has to, right? I'm glad it's you and not me, my friend. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show today. God bless everybody for being a part of our program. Thank you for doing it. We appreciate all the conversations that we've had some wonderful conversations this week. And uh, we invite you back here on Monday where we are going to be discussing uh, a new round of wonderful interview depth of conversation on the headlines and much, much more. And uh, please do share us with a friend. It would mean a lot to us. And then, of course, also be on our CDT Insider email list because I'll send you that email today. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But I want to know what you think about the Shia LaBeouf story and Padre Pio, the movie, in the after show. Join us in the chat box right now. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. 
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Friday of the 22nd week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Wake, awake, the night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. Midnight solemn hour is tolling. His chariot wheels are near rolling. He comes, prepare ye virgins wise. Rise up with willing feet. Go forth the bridegroom meet, Alleluia. Bear through the night your well-trimmed light, Speed forth to join the marriage rite. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, Grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with the wisdom of human eloquence, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its meaning. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the learning of the learned I will set aside. Where is the wise one? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made the wisdom of the world foolish? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not come to know God through wisdom, it was the will of God through the foolishness of the proclamation to save those who have faith. For the Jews demanded signs, and the Greeks looked for wisdom, but we proclaimed Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. 
Exult you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With a ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. The earth Earth is is full full of of the goodness goodness of the Lord. For upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. The The earth earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The Lord brings to naught the plans of nations. He foils the designs of peoples. But the plan of the Lord stands forever, the design of his heart through all generations. The earth earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you may have the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some years ago, I was preparing couples for baptism, the baptism of their children. And early in the preparation, I would talk about how God had created us human beings in love and in freedom. And he desired us to return in loving union to him. But then our first parents sinned. And as it were, we might imagine, fell into a pit. And his desire for loving union did not change. But first, he had to rescue us, as it were, pull us out of the pit, and then bring us into loving union with him. I would ask them at this point, these, these young Catholic couples preparing for the baptism of their babies, ask them, how, how did he do that? And too often, 
the answer would be something like, well, he, he taught us. He taught us a good message about how we should live in the right way. And I would say to them, well, of course, of course this is important. But it was not enough. Because if that had been enough, if all we needed was teaching, then he could have simply sent us philosophers. But instead, the Father did not simply send us philosophers. He sent us someone else. Something of this point, I think we hear from St. Paul today in our first reading. He's speaking to the Corinthians. And as we're going to be hearing in the weeks ahead as we read through this letter, the Corinthians had many errors and many problems, sometimes problems that resemble ours. We'll see that the Corinthians were very competitive with each other. Who had the better spiritual gifts? Who had more wisdom? Who preferred the wiser teacher, the wiser minister? And so it is that St. Paul is, is starting right in to address this error. He talks about how what the Father sent was not simply human wisdom. And of course, it's in part, as he says, because the wisdom of the world was focusing on the wrong things and unable to perceive the truth. Of course, this is part of the problem. But the problem is deeper than that. The problem is that for us to be saved, for us to be pulled out of this pit of sin into which we had fallen, more was needed than simply truth. And so it is that the Father sent the Son. And the Son lowered himself to take on human nature and live as one of us. And then he lowered himself still further to give his life for us on the cross. As we heard St. Paul say, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. What does he mean by that? He says, Jews demand signs. That is, Jews were looking for miraculous actions of power. But when they looked upon Christ upon the cross, this appeared to be weakness, failure. And he says, Greeks look for wisdom. When they look upon the cross, this looks like supreme foolishness. But in fact, as he says, to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, what looks like failure in the eyes of the world, what looks like foolishness in the eyes of the world, in fact, is powerful and insightful. Our Lord Jesus upon the cross defeated our greatest enemies, not just human ones, but sin and death and the evil one. Our Lord Jesus, by pouring out his blood upon the cross, enacted the eternal covenant, a closer relationship with God than we could have ever had otherwise and one which is eternally new, never to be superseded by another. Our Lord Jesus paid the price upon the cross that was necessary to pull us out of that pit. Our Lord Jesus upon the cross poured forth from his side water and blood, the wellspring of all of the grace of the church's sacraments. For we need not just wisdom, not just teaching to pull us out of that pit. We need the power of his grace that sharing his own divine life, which can transform us, which can make us new. And so it is that we make sure that even though, even though the wisdom, the teaching, the revelation of God is so very, very important, even though this is essential, even though the Catholic intellectual tradition is powerful and so much of a treasure for all of us, nevertheless, we need more than that. So I'd urge each of you to make sure that you're not simply 
listening and taking in wisdom, but you are allowing it to lead you to Christ and to receive what he wants to give to you and respond to that. And this includes making sure that you go to confession regularly and receive his forgiveness, not just know about it. It includes making sure that you are following his commands, not just knowing about them, but actually following them, setting aside sin and responding faithfully to his guidance. It is not merely wisdom we proclaim, but that wisdom leads us to him. We proclaim Christ crucified, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. May we receive all he wants to give us. May we respond in faithfulness and love. Let's bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. Let us pray for the Holy Father, Pope Francis, for all the needs of the Church, that as we may light our lamps and, and be ready for Christ when He returns, we pray to the Lord. Lord Let us pray for all those who govern us, that they may be concerned not only for the needs of their own nations, but for all peoples, especially the most vulnerable. They would always respect life, we pray to the Lord. Let us pray that we would, uh, as disciples of Jesus, find in his cross his great wisdom and his great power. We pray to the Lord. Pray for the sick and those who are suffering, that they uh, may receive the grace of healing in their heart, in their mind, their soul and body. We pray to the Lord. The intention of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, for their, their intentions, we pray to the Lord. Remember those who have died, and all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace, we pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers and grant our petitions through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. O Lord, who gained for yourself a people by adoption through the one sacrifice offered once for all, bestow graciously on us, we pray, the gifts of unity and peace in your church. 
through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In Him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in His fullness. For though He was in the form of God, He emptied Himself, and by the blood of His cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore He has been exalted above all things, and to all who obey Him has become the source of eternal salvation. And so with the angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. 
For by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to, the, to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. 
Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, says the Lord, and I will raise him up on the last day. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. Complete within us, O Lord, we pray, the healing work of your mercy, and graciously perfect and sustain us, so that in all things we may please you through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow 
Where our captain trod, our king victorious, Christ the Son of God. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, this is Coach Kimball from Arrows and Strike Jesuit Rugby. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.